We're supposed to call Ed Graney here, but he did not answer the phone. Jared, before you call him again. Right. Yesterday we had David Roth on the show. Uh-huh. And uh, we talked about NBA teams and how they can sign random guys to fill in for the COVID uh, players. They can go over the maximum roster size. The Celtics are signing Joe Johnson. <laughs> ISO Joe is signing a 10 day contract. Isn't he like 40? Phenomenal. He is 40 years old. He turned 40 this summer. Uh, he is fresh off his second MVP of the big three. Chris Bosch would be a better. And he's a, literally a, a like I don't a think Chris Bosch can play basketball. No, I'm saying he's got he's got serious health problems. And I think Chris Bosch would be a better player to sign. Uh, he last played for the Houston Rockets at the end of the 2017-18 oh, season. Trust me. I know I had him on my fantasy team. ISO Joe. <laughs> Is back in the league. You can call Ed now. Just wanted wanted to get your reaction to ISO Joe (laughs) being signed. And this is what's great. Like yesterday, I was joking with David Roth about people like Dwayne Wade and Leandro Barbosa and Roy Hibbert coming back and signing short deals to play in the NBA while teams deal with the COVID outbreak. I'm disappointed and come up with Joe Johnson, but Joe Johnson is in that same category as those players. Now, he has been playing, I guess, in the big three. And I think he played in that basketball tournament, too, in the summer where they used the Elam ending. Uh, but Joe Johnson is back. And joining us now, hello, Ed. How are you? Good, good. Testing done. Uh, now, I think, nine and a half hours before we talk to somebody. All right. So that, that's always good. You didn't test positive. Do they run in and give you a yellow or a red card if you test positive? <laughs> tell, tell them that. Tell the Raiders uh, that. That's what they need to start doing. I believe none of the media has, at least I don't know of any. So, uh, you know, you just wait nervously. If the PR person walks in, you don't want them looking at you. Uh, so, and usually they're just in there giving notes out. Uh, but if you get the, within an hour, usually the uh, email from Bioreference Labs, then you know you're okay because they're not going to send you an email if you test a positive. You just need to keep refreshing your email and hoping you get that email. All right. I wanted to give you the breaking news here. Um, the Boston Celtics are signing Joe Johnson to a 10-day contract. They're signing the safety from the Cleveland Browns? <laughs> That's John Johnson. Come on. Oh. Get it right. <laughs> They're signing Iso Joe, who's he's 40 years old. The last time he played in the NBA was 2018. Well, isn't this what they're supposed to be doing now in COVID? They're supposed to go get G League guys or old guys and no one in between? Are you telling me there's not some 24-year-old in the G League that's better than Joe Johnson oh, now? Derek Carr might be better, but... Uh... What did you think last night? Were you watching any of the Laker game in the end? I did not watch any of it. They got blown okay. out, didn't they? Yeah, they the Phoenix blew them up. But Reggie Miller went on some kind of rant, which I actually thought was good. Reggie Miller was like, I guess there's been a lot of announcers kind of ripping this whole, hey, sign whoever you want, you know, instead of shutting down where Silver's like, you can sign whoever you want. And I thought, want to know your take on this, because Reggie Miller kind of went off a rant against other um, broadcasters ripping this. He's like, look, he goes, these dudes work their whole life for like one day like this, like wearing the uniform for the Lakers, playing in a game. He goes, G leaguers who may never get here. He goes, why are we ripping these guys? He's like, you know, what this means to them is as much as it means to anybody to be in one of these or two of these games. And I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, I I know you're going to disagree with it, but I thought that was pretty cool that he kind of went on a rant and said, what's the point of ripping them? One, it's not their fault. And two, I think it's pretty cool. Like if a guy's never had a chance from the G league to come up and, play for the Lakers and play along like Le- alongside LeBron and Russell Westbrook and those guys. 
I mean, we don't play sports so that guys can live out their one-day dream of playing <laughs> next to LeBron. See, I, knew, I knew I prefaced this entire story <laughs> yeah. with knowing you were well, going I mean, the opposite side of this. I want to play football for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Well, Putting me out there would be yeah. detriment to everyone. <laughs> like, I, I get it. They work hard. It's very yeah. hard to make it to the NBA. And yeah. they're, you know, guys that are in the G League, they, they may never have a shot. They're still kind no. of on the cusp, right? They're, right. right? they're like 1% of the human population that could actually do it. But, like, we don't, we don't play the sport so that guys can live out well, their dream because they worked hard. Like, Amori Hardy is in the G League. Amori Hardy, like, I think is starting for a G League team and is a decent G League player. We're not out here being like, oh, good for Amori oh, Hardy well, that he got to play with the Clippers or something in an but NBA But if Amori game. Hardy would have been signed, you would have watched the game. Probably, and tweeted about how he's the best point guard UNLV's had since Kevin <laughs> Kruger was playing point guard. Uh, I just thought it was nice of Reggie sticking up for the players. I knew which way you're going. You're going oppo field I mean, on that. Sure, I, you know, don't criticize the players. It's great for them, well, absolutely. That, yeah, but like that's what they've been doing. Oh, they're a bunch of G League guys. They're a bunch of this guy. It's like, well, that's not their fault. I mean, this is a weird situation with COVID. And Silver obviously is not going to shut down his league, so he's just like, oh, you can find anyone off the street. Uh, I have not heard announcers do it, but Reggie was pretty stern in that there were broadcasters who've been taking shots at players. I'm like, okay, I don't know the point of that. Yeah, well, let's take shots at them. They're no good. Yeah. Get them out of here. There's a reason we don't watch the G League. It's because they're not uh, any good. Give me LeBron losing to the Suns by yeah. 20 or whatever. By the way, the Lakers, the Lakers suck, don't they? Yeah, they're not very good. Okay. We watch uh, God at my house. And it must be on all the time for you-know-who, and he, he watches every minute, and I watch it a lot with him. And I'm like, are these guys making the playoffs? <laughs> like, genuinely. Like, they're not, like... They're not good. And they've got no. Anthony Davis is out for four weeks. And like, I don't know. They just, there was that stat. It's like a month old now, but there was the stat where Anthony Davis was like shooting the worst from three point range oh. and the worst from the mid range of any player in the NBA that, you know, had taken had qualified or whatever, taken enough shots to qualify. Like Anthony Davis is putting up like good counting numbers, but he's been bad this year. He's been really bad. I've never seen someone so awkward at his size. who's always falling. Like, he's an enormous human being, and when he falls, man, that's a lot of weight going down. So I'm not surprised he's always hurt. There's something weird about that. He's a great player, but, man, when he goes down, he, he, he is injury-prone because he's so huge, and he's always tripping and falling, which is a little weird given how good a basketball player he is. Yeah, Joel Embiid falls a lot, too. He usually gets foul uh, calls he, when he falls. He, he, he's more flopping. Yeah, he draws. A yeah, lot I think of foul Anthony calls. Davis is just uncoordinated and just starts falling <laughs> places. I don't think he's flopping. I think he just can't. He can't run. Oh, you know what, Ed? Did you see this? Um, that there's a report that Trevor Bauer is going to pick up his exercise his player option for next year. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, wouldn't you? Thirty-two million dollars. Yeah, you're not going to leave that. You're going to make them, I guess, make a choice on you. And now you're them. You lost Scherzer. Uh, he's going to pick up his player option. Do you pursue this um, to to try to bring him back? Oh my God! Are you about to pull a Bruce Arians and be like, "Listen, no, I I wouldn't bring him back." I'm just saying I don't think usually like how Bruce Arians and professional um, you know management things. They're they're all about the talent and winning and everything like that. I would personally not bring him back. I wouldn't want him on the team. But if you're telling me the Dodgers kind of try to not explain it away, but find a way to massage it enough and uh, well, what am I? Uh, find a way to uh, make it look good enough to where they bring him back. Um, 
I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. It wouldn't fall over. It's, it's pro sports. They don't care. Yeah, I wonder. So where are they at in the actual investigation into Trevor Bauer? They don't have anything for another month or so, I think. I My question would be, like, would or could Major League Baseball basically keep him on their commissioner's list long yeah. enough that the Dodgers, yeah. they might be paying him, but the Dodgers don't have to actually play him or cut right. him or whatever. I wonder if Major League yeah. Baseball would kind of do them a favor until he's actually... Well, and that's the thing. They could they could take it out of their hands to where the Dodgers could throw up their arms and say, well, we can't do anything about this. Um, but $32 million, I mean, I, I think he's a really, really bad guy, but I'm also exercising my right for $32 million. I, I mean, yeah, I would too. <laughs> my knee's not on the table because people think I'm a bad guy. <laughs> did you see my the the baseball topic we did not get to a couple weeks ago? Did you see Trevor Bauer and his agent taking credit for Max Scherzer's contract? Oh no, it doesn't surprise me though. They it doesn't surprise me at all. They were taking. They think they created a new market in baseball for oh. players to take a short-term deal worth a lot of money. And they were like, wow, that looks familiar. And everybody was like, yeah, Max Scherzer's like 39. Nobody was giving him seven years. Doesn't surprise me. I don't think it surprises you either that Bauer and the agent would try to <laughs> spend anything positive out of the situations and so people forget about what he allegedly did. Um, so that, that that doesn't shock me. I, I hope he doesn't pitch for them again. And here's the other thing, and I remember you and I talking about this, like, they, you know, management might say, boy, we lost Scherzer. This guy's really good. Like, the clubhouse, if you believed every report when it happened, like, people like Turner, especially married guys, they're like, yeah, no. They're like, I mean, Turner, I can't, I think, led the charge. Like, no, this guy's not coming back. So, I don't know if you can bring him back if you have a clubhouse that's like, nah, it's not happening. I mean, I, I just, I don't think he comes back to the Dodgers. So, and I, I don't think he'd be welcome back. I really don't. And, they, and pro athletes, if they think you can win for them, welcome back a lot of dudes. Right. Would it, um, would anybody be sad? Like, would the front office, would even anybody in the fan base be sad if Trevor Bauer was gone? Oh, I don't think so. I'm, I'm a weird fan base guy myself. I don't want him to come back. Yeah, you want him to sign want Carlos back. Correa to win. And yeah. Even, and even yeah. you don't want Trevor Bauer. Yeah. And pay him more well, than, uh, pay him more than Seager guy. I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather have that than Trevor Bauer. Trevor, um, Trevor Bauer no, was a scumbag before all these allegations. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. It wasn't you didn't sign like the nicest guy in the world. Now you didn't sign this guy because you didn't know what he was capable of. I don't think you would have ever signed him. But yeah, you didn't sign like a choir boy to all this money, and then he just became like a, a nut job and doing all these things. I think he was probably that guy the whole time. <laughs> all right, he's Ed Graney out at Raiders practice. Enjoy your nine-hour days of waiting yeah. around for practice to start. Waiting around for Derek Cardis to talk to us. All right, Ed, are you going to ask Tyler's question about? Uh... The process? Yeah, the yeah. process. Did your process suck yeah. in beating the Browns? <laughs> I'll try to raise my hand and get that one in. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. I'll see you. Thanks. All right. Coming up next. Wait, what? I've, I'm confused. We've changed our rundown. Darren Millard's next? Yeah, I think Coming so. Up I'm going to call him. Darren Millard gets a phone call from us. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Hello, Darren. I think that's getting better and better and better every time you guys play it. I think it's the exact same every time we play it. Horrible. Yeah, I I, I don't know why you guys uh, don't make a single out of that. 
Single. Oh, the Olympics are coming up, so we figured we might as well get uh, patriotic. Yeah, get ready for it. Yeah, they'll be they'll be sort of an Olympics. All right, here's an important question for you, Darren. All right. Is there going to be a pause that lasts beyond December 26th? I don't know. <laughs> All right, he's Darren Millard. Well, okay. I know let you me, don't let me, know. Let me, let, me, let me answer that a different way. <laughs> Please if do. Anybody, if anybody gives you a definitive answer to that question, they are either lying or they are making it up. Wouldn't that so be the, the same only, thing? The only correct answer, truthful answer, an accurate answer to that question is, I don't know. All right. That's fair. Do you yeah, think? It, it, that's the reality of it. I, we, we, let's see how some of these teams come out of the uh, this five-day break uh, that, that have already been shut down and the 12 that weren't. Uh, let's see if, if they go through their own encounter with with the virus and then we we reassess but the reality of the situation right now is there wasn't enough teams to to be able to make up a schedule to to go forward these next two days and uh it it wasn't that the fact that they were canceling games uh uh out of uh precaution necessarily because last night's game wouldn't have been played the games have been canceled because there's not enough players to make up lineups on each side so Riley Smith mentioned it last night. We yeah. talked to Kelly McCrimmon yesterday, but basically that. That was a good conversation. we've seen the NFL uh, change their policy to vaccinated players are not going to be tested unless they yeah. have symptoms. Do you think that's where we end up in the NHL eventually? Uh, again, I don't know. Uh, I can tell you that I, if, if it was my preference, I would like to see it go that way. Uh, I think it is a logical uh, practice. Here's the, the fly in the whole game plan. Is the National Hockey League, unlike the NFL, and uh, unlike the NBA, which uh, minus one team, is a league that, uh, that has a significant presence in another country. And Canada handles the virus very differently than the United States does. And the idea that Canada is going to allow people back and forth across the border without any testing is, I dare say, a non-starter. And uh, if, if that is, is going to be on the table, then you have to look at another plan. If, if that's the game, if that's where you want to go and, and you, you, you're hard and fast on that, then you're going to have to go to a Canadian division again for the rest of the season and divide things up based on points percentage, blah, 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 blah. That, that, that's because crossing into Canada without being tested is just not going to happen. So then you're going to have testing anyway, uh, uh, going uh, back and forth across the border because Canadian teams are going to come south and the players are going to have to be tested to go home and American teams are going to have to be tested to go into Canada. Uh, so why not test all the time if, if, if you're doing it that way? So that's uh, I, I agree with it in principle, Tyler, but because of the the international border, I don't think it will work uh, with the National Hockey League. Did you see the story about the Toronto Raptors kicking fourteen people out of one of their games because they weren't wearing masks? And not surprised the way, but the way they did it is like one of the funniest visuals I've ever had in my life. 
they handed out yellow cards as a warning to people who weren't wearing their masks. And then if you continue to not wear it, they would kick you out. And I just love the idea of people wandering around a sporting event, handing out yellow cards to fans. So um, let's, let's deal with the, the funny part of it first, because, because I, I'm like, you, it's I'm this show. yeah, yeah. I, I'm more interested in the entertainment part. And then we'll get into the, to the, to the serious aspect of it. So when they handed out, give me, give me the process and how that worked. Somebody would go up and give them a, a yellow card and they had to hold on to this thing? Yeah, well, so it was a yellow card and it said, like, you've been warned, you must wear your mask at all times unless you're actively eating or drinking. Uh, okay, and, and, you so know, why not just take that yellow card and throw it in the garbage? Well, yeah, you can, but I don't... I, but if they come back, and I assume they remember, it was they warned 25 people, so it's not like it could have been that hard to remember 25 people. But if they came no. back and you weren't wearing it, they then went and got you and ejected you. Okay. So I love it. Well, You're I, right. Maybe it honestly, should be like a that's sticker. The way, that's it the way should, a mask mandate should work. Yeah, Tyler. it should. You know, We've got plenty of events here in Vegas that it's not worked that way, but that is, in theory, how it should work, and though it's very hard to do here. Like it's, it's, no, you know, it's not hard to do. You can do it. Well, we just we, we don't? just choose not to. Okay, and and, and I'm oh. the same way. Like I uh, I don't I don't wear it all the time. I should, but I'm not wearing it all the time. And uh, I, I um, have been to events, uh, a concert where I should have been wearing my mask uh, all the time, and I wasn't actively eating, drinking, and uh, just nobody told me. It's it's it, it's whether or not you you enforce it, and uh, it just kind of goes to my point though how differently the two sides uh, handle this virus. And uh, in some ways, I, I think uh, Canada has, has it right. In other ways, I'm like, like let's just let's live. Let's, let's go. I, I, I do have a, a serious case of, uh, of COVID fatigue right now, and, and I'm, I'm making statements and decisions that I never thought I would, uh, that I would make. And I think it, it all comes down to I just I, I want to get back to living. And, that, and I, that's why I agree with Riley 100%, except for the fact that you're dealing with an international board. All right. Mark Stone injury. What, what happened? Like, he got taken out. He crawls to the bench, but he stays in the game. He scores two goals, and then something else happened, and he just left the game and was never seen again? Well, there was, a, there was a number, another play uh, at the blue line where he kind of locked legs uh, with, with a member of the, the Tampa Bay Lightning. It didn't look like anything, and uh, when when I watched it back, there was no wince or uh, anything like that. Uh, what if I was going to guess, and that's all this is? Uh, I would think that he uh, in in the, in the first collision probably tweaked or banged something up, and it might have been uh, the same injury that uh, they dealt at the start of the year that he that he re-aggravated that caused him to miss uh, the game against the Islanders. And it was a precautionary measure. Take, take him out, make sure that he's okay. There's no sense in uh, there's only half a game left. Uh, he's already scored you two goals and, uh, and yet yeah, you, you've got a lead and, and, and try not to put him in any type of predicament where he's going to be hurt long-term. You've got five days coming up, uh, uh, let him rest up. So I, I would, uh, uh, I would look at it more along the line of precautionary uh, because he did come back, he did play, and uh, and he was able to be effective. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm hopeful and, and optimistic that we'll see him on the on the other side. That it's not something that's going to be uh, uh, carry over. 
Darren Milsey Millard is joining us from the VGK Insiders. And uh, obviously, you can see him on television with his eclectic Pocket Square collection. You like my pocket squares, don't you? You're 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 the one I, person that kind of pays attention to that because I put a lot of effort into matching that stuff. You you dress really 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 well to the point where I every single time now whenever you're on TV I don't listen to what you say I go ooh Glenn plaid. You didn't see my holiday sweater last night. I did. I did you not see my? I said you're the only one who could pull off that look. Uh, and did you see my partner? Uh, did you see his holiday sweater? I did not. I don't, whenever you're on screen, you're the only one I focus on. So Gary Gary shows up. We're on the air at 6.30. He walks onto the set at 6.18, and he's in a suit and tie. Uh, Shane's got a holiday sweater on. He's between the benches. He's, like, right in the middle of the action. He's still got a holiday sweater on. Uh, Ashley's got the holiday sweater on. Ghosh has got the holiday sweater on. I've got the holiday sweater on. Lawman shows up in a suit and tie and says, I was busy today. <laughs> bah humbug. So we we rode him all night until the point that he actually legitimately got mad at me. That's, that's good. I mean, that's how you should do it. That's that's, that's yeah. how you handle colleagues. Yeah. Um, exactly. Wait, wait, wait. He, what do you mean? Wear them down. What kind of an excuse is I was busy? And then he said that he went to a store and they didn't have his size and he wasn't going to come on the air with one I that mean, was too tight. I I I, I call. Yeah. Flag on that one. Yeah. I'm giving that one a yellow card. Yes, yes, a yellow card. Hand him out. My actual Borny's ash- going right by me right now. <laughs> Give it to him. Give him <laughs> a yellow card right now. Uh, my actual question, and this is more of just a curiosity: Why is Christmas or the Christmas holiday considered sacrosanct in, like, at least in the NHL, while other leagues kind of actively target it as a day to play? good question uh we've always in the national hockey league had that that break where you could where you could shut it down uh and it's it's as much a tradition as as anything uh i would say that in in america like the nba or the nfl it's geared towards television that's why you play and in canada uh, any hockey uh, on television is revolves around the World Junior Hockey Championship, the Under Twenty Championship uh, that that takes place, and and people will, will that's that's the Canadian tradition uh, on the ice, and the National Hockey League gives up that spot, and the players uh, take take a bit of a break. But uh, I, I would say more tradition, and um, and the it the, the National Hockey League still structures its league around Saturday night, like the Hockey Night in Canada. And, and uh, and and that angle is Nick Waugh the next Connor McDavid. Okay, if if I'm Nick Waugh, I'm getting in touch with a Vegas Golden Knights photographer and the uh, Review Journal photographer and anybody else who might have been had a camera uh, in that building last night, and I am acquiring every single picture and video <laughs> of that goal, and that is going in my living room, above my couch, <laughs> dangling Victor Hedman and then scoring on Andre Vasilevsky. You have four Stanley Cups, a Norris Trophy, a Vesna Trophy, and uh, uh, Conn Smythe Trophy all, all in there. Like, like, wow. Like, that is an all-world play. And it's, it's kind of, it, it'll end up, in, in some cases, a curse because people will go, why can't he do that all the time? 
but uh, but I think it just raises the ceiling when when you see the confidence and what he's done in breakaways and shootouts and and, uh, and and playing up on the on the on the second line this year. Boy, it it raises uh, the potential of where I think Nick Waugh can take his game, and uh, that's that's one uh, you mentioned, Kelly McCrimmon earlier. Uh, it's another example, uh, example number 3,421, why I, I could never be a scout, because they project and can see things. And two years ago, I didn't see Nick Waugh being able to make that play, and now he's entered uh, a, a new level of his game. So just so you know, Golden Knights center rankings, Chandler Stevenson, William Carlson, Nick Waugh, Jack Eichel, fourth line center in March. It's not going to be the fourth line. Fourth center. line center in March. Make it happen. I I talked to his old uh, college coach yesterday, David Quinney, uh, for the Chirp podcast, which is uh, available for download right now. Thank you. Uh, and he has a lot of. We we talked a lot about Jack and what we don't know about Jack as fans, and and the thing that he admires most about Jack's game. Uh, I Tyler, I would give that a listen, uh, Jared, because it's really illuminating some of the stuff that that you may not realize about Jack Eichel. Uh, the hockey player and the competitor. And uh, it it opened my eyes uh, even more about what we're going to see in in Jack Eichel. And it got me excited. Did you ask him how Jack's going to feel about playing nine minutes a night on the fourth line? (laughs) I did not because uh, he wouldn't know that because when, when David Quinn had Jack Eichel at Boston university, Eichel was the best player in college hockey and did not play. Nine minutes. He might have played nine minutes at the five-minute mark of the first period. <laughs> he <laughs> played all that, but nine minutes every game. All but that, nine. Nine minutes a period yeah. was, 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 was the limit, maybe, uh, for, for, for Jack Eichel and then some. So, uh, no, uh, I did not ask him about that, and it's not going to happen. You just love – in another life, you and I could have been really good friends. <laughs> let me, let me know lot, when Jack Eichel scores that goal. In, 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 Certain ways. Let me know when Jack Eichel scores that goal Nick Waugh did last night. Then we can talk about the third line. Okay. I'll call you in game three. <laughs> It'll happen by then. <laughs> All right. He's Darren Millard. Darren, as always, we appreciate it. I'm getting some chickens. Now let's I got the I got the go ahead from uh from my wife. All right. To use the secret Venmo account. Let's buy some chickens. Not, I thought the not, whole point yeah, of it's it was not very not secret. Yeah, but all right. All right, let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> ready for you to lose <laughs> some chicken races. Merry Christmas, guys. Yeah, see you, Darren. Happy holidays. All right. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs, because UNLV basketball's got a game tonight. UNLV basketball plays its last non-conference game of the season tonight against San Diego. Uh, Before we get into that, Jeff Grammer, the Albuquerque Journal, uh, tweeted out that he is expecting the athletic directors to meet today in the Mountain West to change the COVID forfeit policy. Uh, As of right now in the Mountain West, if a team has to forfeit because they don't have enough players uh, because of COVID positive tests, they would have to forfeit. They would get a loss. We have already seen the ACC and the Big 12, as well as the Big West, have changed. All of those have uh, gone back and said, no, we are not going to give out forfeits if you miss a game because of COVID. Uh, What's interesting is that right now, Colorado State, probably the best team in this conference, they are 10-0. They are supposed to play December 28th uh, at New Mexico. That game, according to Jeff uh, Jeff Grammer, would be expected to be canceled or at least postponed for the time being. 
but it would not be a loss for Colorado State. So, could be a change coming in the Mountain West. Uh, so far, UNLV has avoided any postponements or cancellations because of COVID, but that is not true for the rest of the conference. Now, they play San Diego tonight. And this game, good chance it's going to be close. Uh, Ken Palm ranks UNLV's in the 140s. San Diego's in the 190s. San Diego actually has a win over a top 100 Ken Palm team, Nevada. UNLV does not have one of those this season. But what is interesting, there's a few things interesting about San Diego. First off, they're very small. They do have two guys that are 6'10 or taller, but they don't play them together. They only play one at a time, usually. So if you're looking at UNLV, which basically has Royce Ham in the front court and not much else, you know, we should be okay as far as size goes, right? They should be able to play Royce Ham as much as they want. And then even if they want to go small with, you know, Donovan Williams as the de facto center, they can probably do that. The two 6'10 guys have not been good enough this year that you're really afraid of them getting the ball. And this is an interesting thing, I think, in college basketball. UNLV, we've seen it a few times this year where they have played small. They have gone to Donovan Williams at the center position, right? They've ended up, you know, because they'll switch a lot of screens. A guy like Bryce Hamilton will end up guarding a guy in the post. And some teams have seen that and they've thought, you know what we're going to do? We're going to post up. We're going to throw the ball into the block. We're going to let our six foot 10 guy try to back him down and score. What I find interesting about playing small is that post up, is generally the least efficient offensive play you can run, right? It's worse than a ball screen. It's worse than a uh, guy coming off a screen shooting threes. It's generally speaking the least efficient play in basketball because it doesn't produce enough layups or free throws. It produces a lot of shots from six or seven feet away as opposed to shots that are right at the rim. Obviously, if you get a layup, it's a great play. But what's interesting about playing small is I almost wonder if you are basically baiting the other team into posting up. Like, obviously, you don't want to play small against a team that has a great post player, right? Like, they played Michigan and Hunter Dickinson, who's very good. But when you play a San Diego, and their post players kind of suck, if you're UNLV, I think you'll want them to throw it into the post, even if it's Donovan Williams guarding them. Because Donovan Williams, while, like, he's not not going to be some great dominant post defender... He's good enough that he's not just going to give up a layup if they do it five times. He might give up one, but he's not giving up a ton of layups. And so I almost wonder if playing small, there's a like hidden advantage that, hey, the other team's going to try to do the least efficient thing on the basketball floor, and that is throw the ball into the post and try to get a post-up uh, touch, right? I almost wonder if that's like a hidden advantage of playing small. Obviously, you're going to give up. You don't want to just turn around and give the guy a layup right? That's not good. That's good for the post up. If they just get a layup by turning around. But if you've got a guy that like Donovan Williams can fight the guy off, make him catch it, you know, outside the paint and make him work for it. It becomes a good defensive possession more often than not. A couple other notes on San Diego. They play very slow. 291st in tempo. Uh, Very, very slow. Thankfully not on TV. Uh, They are also, I would be watching this game, pulling my hair out. Terrible. On offense, they rank 248th by Ken Palm on offense this year. They only do one thing well on offense. Oh, good, good. They do something. They shoot threes pretty well. Oh, they are 38% from yikes. three this year. That is top 50 in the country. They are pretty good defensively. They're 128th uh, on defense, 
So they're pretty solid on that end of the floor. That's pretty good for a middle of the pack WCC team. Basically what I'm trying to tell you here, San Diego plays slow. They're bad on offense. They're pretty good on defense. We have seen UNLV this year play some ugly games where UNLV is bad on offense, but has a good defensive game. I think there's a lot of potential here for like a 51-50 final. I think there's a lot of potential for that. UNLV, I would expect, will try to get out and run. UNLV will try to pick the tempo up and make this a faster game. If they do so, that's probably a good sign, and they're probably winning this game by 10 points or something like that. But I think there's a chance that UNLV plays a very ugly, low-scoring game. We have seen a change, though. The last three games, UNLV has been getting to the rim more. Their offense the last three games has been over 1.1 points per possession in all three games, which the only time they've been over 1.1 was against Whittier this year, right? Like, And yes, Seattle, Hartford, the last three games have been bad teams, but like they were under 0.9 points per possession against Gardner-Webb and North Dakota State to open the season. Like They had bad offensive games against bad teams to start the year. So they've been much better offensively. They've been able to get to the rim. That's been the big thing. They've just said, hey, we're getting layups. We're getting to the rim whenever we need to, and that's been a big difference. San Diego, a decent defensive team. We'll see if they're able to stop UNLV from doing that. Uh, I think UNLV will put their heads down, get to the rim, and it probably won't be as effective as it was against Seattle and Hartford, but still should be good enough to win. The big question will be Mountain West play, right? Can UNLV do this when they play San Diego State on January 1st? Can they do this against Colorado State? Can they do this against Boise State, Nevada, the better teams in this conference? Can they say, hey, we're getting to the rim and we're finishing layups? Because they can do it against Seattle and Hartford. But that's not saying much. Can they do it against good teams? They'll be able to do it. Like what they play San Diego State, but then I think their next three conference games are like Air Force, San Jose State, and I think New Mexico, which are probably the three worst teams in the Mountain West. So like they should be off to a pretty good like three and one start, and they'll probably look good in those games. But those are the bad teams, right? After that, we'll find out can this team actually score efficiently against good Mountain West teams. All right, here we go. We got tickets. To the Las Vegas Bowl. If you want to go out to the Las Vegas Bowl on December 30th at Allegiant Stadium, we got tickets for you right now. Plus, you want a pair of tickets to go see the new movie, National Champions. So you're getting tickets to two different events. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. If you want to go to the Las Vegas Bowl, 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number 12. The Tyler, top of the key. Stepped in and then stepped back for three. Goodness. Gracious, Tyler Hero, good to see you again. You're locked in the press box. Congratulations to Jared. Different Jared. That's what you want us to think. Uh, He won the tickets to the Las Vegas Bowl and tickets to go see the new movie National Champions. Uh, So good job, Jared. Uh, Also, a congratulations to Dale Edwards. Uh, Dale won the 55-inch TV on the for the press box holiday hookup uh, that we had been entering people to win throughout the month of December. Dale is the winner of the 55-inch TV, so congratulations to Dale for picking up that TV. Now, oh, did Iman Shumpert play with LeBron James? Yeah, in Cleveland, they, he won a ring with LeBron James, right? Uh, I don't know if he won a ring. I'd have to go to basketball reference, but I, he definitely played in. They traded for him yeah, in so, Cleveland. Because Iman Shumpert apparently said yesterday 
LeBron knows he ruined basketball huh? by joining the Miami Heat. Me personally, I love the NBA for the loyalty that I thought was there. He basically knocked the fourth wall down. Okay, that is a confusing metaphor because that's not what knocking the fourth wall down means. <laughs> not um, what that means. So a couple of things. First off, LeBron James was with the Cavaliers in his first stint for a long time. And they never built a team competent enough. Wasn't James Jones like at one point one of his better players? He took a team with Booby Gibson and Zadrunas <laughs> Ilgauskas to the finals. Um, it got waxed. Yeah. And then he decided, you know what would be nice if I had some good players around me? And he went to the Heat. And yeah, they won a couple of titles. But the problem is like. And I think in the first two years, Dwayne Wade was arguably the better player on those Miami Heat teams. The problem though. The Celtics exist. Yeah. Like the Celtics added Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen. But remember, they traded for Kevin Garnett. <laughs> like That's the difference. The Celtics exist. Like I remember when Carl Malone joined the Lakers oh. with um, Gary Payton to yes. join Shaq and Kobe. It didn't work. It did not work, but I definitely thought that that was going to, like, I was like, I genuinely thought, super team, you can't, come on, it's the mailman. The idea that LeBron James was the first to be like, you know what, I'm going to go play with another really good player. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? No, that didn't happen. That didn't, he didn't create it. He didn't create the idea of a super team. He just got tired of Cleveland not doing anything to help him win. And he went back and went, you're going to build a team right. this time, right? And then he was like, I'll do it. Where's Kyrie Irving? Where's Kevin Love? Yeah. Like the idea that he like ruined basketball building a super team is ridiculous. We still, and the, the other part of this, we still have got like Damian Lillard's been loyal to Portland. And you know what? He was dumb. It's yeah, he is dumb. It's not good. Damian, I want to see Damian Lillard playing in NBA Finals because Damian Lillard, outside of Steph Curry, is probably the most fun guy to watch just pull the trigger. Guy's just ready to launch at all times. I want to see that in the Finals, and we've been robbed of that because he's in Portland. And they suck. I mean, literally. Put him on a good team. Send him to the Lakers. Think about Giannis's skill set, and they literally went, are there any shooters? We'll take a Lopez brother. Yeah. The, Anyone right. who can shoot. That's a good point. The team that just won the title. That's not some like, oh, Giannis had to team up with two other top 15 players to get it done. You either build around your superstar or you go, I don't know why our superstar can't, uh, why he left. Yeah, Iman Shepard's wrong. <laughs> He's just wrong. Well, he, the, the best part is the breaking the fourth wall. Like, that, that's yeah, not at all what that yeah. means. NBA champion 2016 with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay. I thought he might've been on that like team. LeBron James and Kyrie Irving won him a ring. And he's like, you know what you did? You ruined basketball. Well, I mean, he's, he's trying to get his name out there because they're giving 10 day contracts. To That's people. a good point. That's a good point. Sign him up. How did he not get signed before Joe Johnson? He's he was so bad with the Cavs that I'm pretty sure they benched him for. Wait, is he playing? Yes, he is. He is signed before he signed with the Nets. He's with the Nets. Oh, not not for no, long. Maybe not anymore. 
I don't think he's with the Nets anymore. <laughs> that is okay. It says Nets 2021, but that was the end of last year. So he is not with the Nets anymore. Yeah, he's trying to find somebody to sign him. How? He's 31. He's not good. But he's he's nine years younger. He's nine years younger than Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson is back in the NBA. This is great. When do the Celtics play next? Are they on Christmas Day? Am I going to get Joe Johnson on Christmas? I hope he goes for 30. They play the Cavs today. I don't know if he's... Oh, my God. They play the Bucks on Christmas. I hope We're he goes for 30. We're getting ISO Joe on Christmas? <laughs> Just him dribbling. Who's going to be playing for the Bucks on that day? Oh, God. I don't even know. Steve Nash. They're going to sign him after... As, yeah, you can't <laughs> coach anymore. You got to yeah, play. Yeah. Can another team sign Steve Nash to play for them? You think he wants to? Uh, he I mean, the Nets, right? I mean, he should. I mean, in theory, he should. Hey, Kyrie, we're not. Uh, you know, this whole part-time thing isn't working out. I, I, I got it. I'll be the coach and the player. Player, coach, bring that back. Why? Why did they stop doing that? Because they started making money. I don't know. Why did they do it in the first place? It, it used to just be like, uh, yeah, the guy running point. He can coach. Right, but like, why would you do that in the first place? Because the smartest, like, you want the smartest guy to be the coach, and sometimes that's the guy who is your best player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's there's people that are smart that are not players that like the the whole point of not having a player coach is so that the guys on the team don't have to be mad at one of their own teammates for like benching them. No, I mean, I think I I would assume it goes down a little easier when it's like I passed you the ball. What was that? Get on the bench. Does it? I don't know. Nobody thinks they're actually bad, but I am on. Let's bring back player coaches. It would be fun. I just, uh, I'm sad Derek Jeter uh, now owns the Marlins because he would have been the perfect uh, player coach because Are he you was suggesting he couldn't start for the Marlins this year. Oh, okay. That's actually, um, let's not pretend like they're good. Well, but he, he wouldn't pay himself that the amount of money he would need. Well, he's got his own salary. He can just, that's the, that you're saving money. You just play on the salary he's getting just, well, that's probably a lot. That might like quadruple the Marlins payroll. So don't do that. Also, you got to get out of that weird Island in the Bahamas.